One of the central questions in the abortion debate always comes to this. When does human life begin? And does the unborn growing in the womb count among the human race, among the human family? As Christians, we need to be able to answer that question two ways. And over the next two weeks, I'm going to record two different answers for that. The first being, what does the Bible say? And the second being, what does science say? As Christians, we need to be able to understand and communicate both because contrary to popular opinion, the two do not disagree with one another. They actually uh, reinforce one another. And as Christians, we must know what the Bible says. But if we're sharing uh, about the morality of humanity with the non-believer, the non-believer may not care what the Bible says, but they may listen to what science says. So we need, as Christians, to be able to understand both. Today, I'm going to specifically be answering the question, according to the Bible, when does human life begin? So we'll start with just the short answer to that question. There is no distinction in the Bible whatsoever between the unborn child and the postborn child. God sees them equally as humans living along the normal continuum of life. Let me start with the Old Testament phrase, yeled. This is a Hebrew term, yeled, which is used throughout the Old Testament. It means something that has been born, a lad, an offspring, a baby, etc. But there are nuances to it. On your screen, you're going to see four Bible verses. And in those Bible verses, there are highlighted words or emboldened words that according that are translated in the original Hebrew as yeled. So this is from Exodus 2, Genesis 21, Genesis chapter 4, and Exodus chapter 21. In all of these, you have the term yeled, which the English is highlighted in bold. In the first verse, you will see that yeled uh, translates to child or meaning from the context we know, an infant child. In Genesis chapter 21, we see the word yeled again translated as child, but in this context, it means a toddler or one who is old enough to be ready to be weaned from its mother. In Genesis chapter 4, yeled is translated in the English as young man or youth. And then in Exodus 21, and this one is especially important, we see the term yeled referring to an unborn child, unborn children. So there is no distinction in the word yeled between referring to children who have been born and children who have yet to be born. The Hebrew word habanim is often used the same way in the Bible. In some places, you'll see it referring to postborn children. In some cases, you'll see it referring to preborn children. God makes no distinction between these. Now, let's move on to the New Testament. The Greek word for child is most often brephos. A brephos, again, is an infant, a baby, a child, and it can refer to, again, an unborn or a born young life, human life. If you look at chapter Luke chapter 1, you're going to see again two verses on your screen, uh, both of them uh, with the, 
the translated word brephos from the Greek emboldened. So in Luke chapter one, we have this famous passage where you have the greeting that comes to, uh, to Elizabeth as Mary goes down to visit her relative Elizabeth and John the Baptist, we see the baby within her leaps uh, to indicate that you're now in the presence of the, 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 the Messiah. This term, the baby, is brephos, meaning baby or unborn child or fetus, clearly, in this instance. Then in Luke chapter 2, just one chapter later, we find that the, hastening, the shepherds are hastening to find Mary and Joseph, who have now laid a brephos, a baby, in a manger. Again, same word, brephos, referring now to a child who has been born, a newborn, an infant. So one chapter separated from, from each other, the same word refers to a fetus or an unborn child and to a newborn or an infant in the second case. But perhaps the most vivid picture in all of the Bible that proves that God sees human life as beginning at conception is also found in the entire story of Mary being in Luke chapter one, where Mary finds out that she's gonna be pregnant with a baby and she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth. Now, I won't read the entire passage, but I would encourage you to look specifically through these verses of Luke chapter 21, uh, Luke chapter one. These are verses 26 through 44 of Luke chapter one. It's a very famous Christmas passage. Uh, Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel and the angel Gabriel reveals to her good news. You are going to become pregnant and have a baby and give birth to not just any baby, but a baby that will be the ruler of the nations and the savior of the world. Now, Mary, you may recall, lives in Nazareth. We find this in verse 26, confirmed. She lives in Nazareth, which is up in the northern part of, of Israel near the Sea of Galilee. Mary sets off uh, in verse, I think it's uh, 30, is it 39? She sets off to visit her relative Elizabeth, who lives uh, in the hill country of Judea. And the Bible specifically says that she sets off with haste to visit Elizabeth in the hill country of Judea. And Elizabeth, when she arrives, you will recall, is six months pregnant with Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist. We know that this is John the Baptist if we follow the story along. John the Baptist uh, has a job. He's a prophet. And 30 years later, he's going to become a prophet who announces the coming of the Messiah, the arrival of the Messiah among the people. And yet, actually, it's in this verse, in this passage from Luke chapter 1, that we see John executing his prophetic ministry first, because he announces the arrival of the coming Messiah to his mother. When Mary greets Elizabeth, the baby inside of Elizabeth greets the baby inside of Mary, and we say that a womb-to-womb -womb worship service breaks out. John the Baptist does his charismatic Pentecostal thing. He starts jumping in the womb to tell his mother, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit understands what John is saying, you are in the presence of the Messiah. The Messiah has come. Now, Elizabeth lives where in the hill country of Judea. Where is that? Uh, it would be impossible to specify it with a pinpoint on a map, but here's what we know about Elizabeth. Elizabeth is married to Zechariah. Zechariah is priest in the temple in Jerusalem. So 
When it says that she lives in the hill country of Judea, it means that they live in a bedroom community right outside of Jerusalem within walking distance, some small town or village right outside of Jerusalem. The journey between Nazareth in the north and Jerusalem in the southern part of Israel is about, depending on your route, anywhere from about 80 to 110 miles. People took two major routes during those days, but that doesn't matter. It was somewhere between 80 and 110 miles. It was a long walk. Often took people three or four or five or six days to make that walk. Jesus made that walk three times during his earthly ministry, walking from his his home area up around the Sea of Galilee and Capernaum down to uh, Jerusalem for various feasts. And it was common in those days. But I will remind you that when the angel appears to Mary, Mary is not pregnant. He says, you will become pregnant. Holy Spirit will come upon you using future tense. Now, we don't know when Mary became pregnant, but we know that she left with haste to visit her relative in the hill country of Judea. It probably means she left within one or two days of the angel appearing to her. Now, we know that she didn't wait three weeks because she stays with, later on we'll find in Luke chapter one, she stays with Elizabeth for three months. When she returns to go back to Nazareth, that's the time that it's, She's ready to give birth. Elizabeth is ready to give birth to John the Baptist. So six months, three months. Mary didn't wait three weeks after the angel appeared to her. When the Bible says that she went with haste, it means she went with haste. She probably left within a day or two on a five or six day journey. John the Baptist is six months old, about the size of a human hand. How big is Jesus when John worships him? Jesus is anywhere from hours to days to a week or so old because she was not pregnant when the angel appeared. We don't know where she became pregnant. Maybe right after the angel left her, maybe somewhere along the journey, she made a five or six stage journey in probably in haste. So when John the Baptist recognizes that he is in the presence of the Messiah, Jesus cannot be seen without the help of a microscope. This is a revelation a joyful, uh, 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 celebratory revelation for a lot of Christians to see because it's right there in the passage of Scripture. It's a, it's a delight for a lot of people to see that Jesus is a zygote when John the Baptist worships him as fully God and fully human. And this goes along with the biblical narrative that God always sees the beginning of anyone's life as having started at conception. Now, I was a, a missionary in the Far East on the, the high inner plateau steps of, of Eastern Asia. And when a baby was born in, those day, in, in that area, they say that the baby is one year old because, uh, because nine months is the better part of a year for gestation period and they see life as beginning at conception. So I had to, when people ask me how old I am to this day, I have to remember uh, are we talking about the way they count years, the way Americans count years? Um, it's a vivid picture, again, that the Bible always talks with consistency of life beginning at conception. You'll also remember that the children struggled within Rebekah, uh, Jacob, and Esau. And um, these are unborn children. And we, we know in, from Genesis chapter 4 that when, when, when Eve became pregnant with Cain, it says that it says specifically that she conceived 
and gave birth to a son, Cain. She conceived a son, Cain, in her womb. And from God's perspective, Cain's life began at conception. So we're going to talk about the implications of that later on. But in the next installment, we're going to understand how does science uh, answer the question, when does human life begin? We know that the answer from the Bible is that the Bible says that human life begins at conception. It's a wonderful truth that should animate all we do. It should animate the way we see life in the womb. It should animate the way we celebrate life from the very first day of conception or the very first day that we find out that, that we or someone in our life has conceived a precious baby child. Let that arm you, Christian, with the confidence of knowing that God indeed sees human life as beginning at conception.